Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has come to seek and save the lost. I'm Chad Bowen, and I'm honored to serve as the pastor of Moore Memorial United Methodist Church, where we are God's children, sharing the love of Christ through study, worship, and service. I'm glad to be back in Winona after taking a few days of vacation this week, but I'm more glad that you get to hear a message from Sam Blades today. Sam is a student at Mississippi State University and participated in the same co-op program this summer that brought Sidney Nelson to us. Sam spent his internship at First United Methodist Church of Tupelo. In many weeks, I'm part of a Zoom conversation with other pastor friends as we talk through our sermons for that week, make sure that we're not headed in the wrong direction, and get ideas about how we can better and more clearly communicate the gospel. We read our various texts together and talk about the general trajectory of our sermons that week, early in the week as they begin to take shape, and Sam was able to join us for those conversations this summer as he wanted to focus on preaching. And rarely a week went by that he didn't offer some insight that helped me preach better. He's a faithful and attentive student of Scripture, and I can't pay many compliments higher than that to a young preacher. Today, Sam's message focuses on the story of the Good Samaritan and how we can be lost whether we feel far from God or we think we're near to God. If you have found yourself feeling lost over a long course of time or unexpectedly during this particular season, nothing would please me more than to set aside some time to talk to you about our Lord, who desperately wants to throw you a party. So if you'd like to talk this week, give us a call in the office at 283-3804 or send me an email, chad at moorememorialumc.com. I really hope that I'll hear from you. Let's pray as we prepare to hear the word of the Lord as proclaimed to us by Sam Blades this morning. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that you continue to call faithful men and women to proclaim your gospel to your church in the world. We pray that you would bless us as we prepare to hear your word today, that you would open us to the word that you have prepared and given to us by Sam, and Lord, that your grace would be at work in us, drawing us nearer to you, reminding us of your goodness and your grace, the fullness of your love towards us and your desire to be near to us. We pray, Lord, that we would remember that you are for us and that you desperately want us to join the party. We pray this in your holy and precious and saving name. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Sam Blades. I'm a student at Mississippi State, and I am excited to be with you today. Our scripture for today is one that many of us are likely familiar with, and that's the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Inside the church, and even outside the church, this may be Jesus' best-known parable. I grew up hearing it. You might have grown up hearing it. There's references to it in music, in movies. If you ask people to name a single one of Jesus' parables, I'm willing to bet that this parable would be near the top of the list. This is a story that we're familiar with. But we're so familiar with it, and so comfortable with it, that often we don't see the weight and the magnitude of what Jesus is saying. When I'm not in school in Starkville, I live in Madison, Alabama, which if you're wondering where that is, just think Huntsville. And just a mile or so down the road from my house is the Huntsville International Airport. And so every day from about 10 in the morning to nine at night, there's planes coming in to land and there's planes taking off. 
And these aren't little one-person planes. These We're talking jumbo aircraft, right? And so as you can imagine, every time one of these planes comes in, the windows shake a little bit, and it feels like it's going to land in your backyard. But after living there for 10 years, I don't even notice it anymore. Family from out of town will come in, and they'll hear it, and they'll say, Oh my gosh, we're going to die. What is that sound? And we're like, what's what? We're so, we've heard it so many times that it doesn't even affect us anymore. We're so familiar with it that we miss the magnitude. And in the same way, you and I can be so familiar and so comfortable with Jesus's words that we miss the truth and the heart of what he's saying. And so today, as we look at this parable, would we look past the familiarity? Would we look past the comfort to see all that Jesus might be saying to us and all that he might be inviting us into. So with that, let's turn to Luke 15. Luke 15 begins by telling us that Jesus was surrounded by tax collectors and sinners, and that the Pharisees and scribes, the religious people, they didn't like that. They began to grumble amongst themselves. And in response, Jesus tells three parables. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son, which goes like this beginning in verse 11. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. The narrative continues telling us that he hired himself out to one of the locals, but even that didn't work out. He's still desperate. And so eventually he comes to his senses and he says, I know what I'll do. I'll return home. I'll confess and admit my mistakes. And I'll simply ask my father to treat me like one of his hired men. And that seems like a good enough plan. And so we pick up in verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, in a lot of our minds, that's where the parable ends. The story ends with the great party for the younger son, and this story is all about homecoming and redemption and the way the father lovingly and unconditionally welcomes back the prodigal son, which is all true. The story is about homecoming. The story does paint a beautiful picture of unconditional love and acceptance and the way the father welcomes his son lovingly back into his home. But the story is not exclusively about these things. Jesus starts the parable saying, There was a man who had two sons. So the story is about the return of the younger son, but it is equally about the older son. Enter part two in verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fat calf, because he has received him back, safe and sound. 
but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this your son, but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now, what is Jesus teaching us through this parable? Why this story and why these brothers? To begin answering that, we look back to the beginning of the chapter. Verses 1 and 2 tell us that there are two groups of people around Jesus. One group of tax collectors and sinners, one group of Pharisees and scribes. One group of bad guys, one group of good guys. One group that you could look at and easily identify as sinners, people far from God. One group of very upright and moral religious people. A group of younger brothers and a group of older brothers. And so by telling this parable, Jesus is speaking both to younger brother sinners and to older brother Pharisees. He's addressing the two main ways that we try to relate to God and showing us that they both fail. You can relate to God like the younger brother through your rebellion and self-discovery, or you can relate to God like the older brother through your very cold, rigid obedience. Both of them lead to the same place. That's lostness, alienation from the father's heart. There was a man who had two sons. They related to him in very different ways, but they both ended up in the same place, lost. So what Jesus is saying is that there's more than one way to be lost. You can be lost by being very, very bad. and You can be lost by being very, very good. One father, two sons, both lost. The first kind of lostness we see is that of the younger brother. And this is the typical depiction of what it means to be lost in sin and far from God. You look at the tax collectors and sinners, and that's exactly what you think. Sinners. And in the same way, you look at the younger brother, and you think. Sinner. Just look at what he does. He says to his father, Give me my share of the property that is coming to me, which is the same as saying, Give me my inheritance now. He's saying to his father, I don't care about you. I care about what you can give me. I care about your stuff. Give me the stuff. Which is just a bananas insulting thing to say to anyone, especially to your father. But what do you know? The father gives it to him. And instead of using the money to make savvy business investments, what does he do? He gets out of Dodge. He heads to a far country, and there he squanders his money in reckless living. But eventually what this brother finds is that this kind of lifestyle doesn't lead to joy. It isn't fulfilling, and it can't satisfy. He set off thinking he knew what was best for his life. He set off on a journey of self-discovery and freedom. But instead he ended up more lost, more broken, and more desperate than he ever had been. He ended up far from his father in proximity. He was off in a far country, and he ended up far from his father's heart. So why this brother? 
Jesus is showing us that the life of rebellion and self-discovery will only lead to despair and brokenness. A life that says to God, my identity is in who I say I am, who I choose to be, is not one that leads to life. You will only find yourself far from home, far from God, and far from his heart. Younger brother lostness. But there's another kind of lostness in this story, and it's that of the older brother. This is the far less typical depiction of what we think when we think of lostness. You look at the Pharisees and scribes, and you think, now those people love God. Those are some good people. In the same way, on the surface, you look at the older brother, and you think, now that son loves his father. That's the good son. The lostness of the older brother is much less obvious it's because you can't just see it on the outside. It's only when we look into his heart that we see that he is just as lost, just as far from his father as the younger brother. The narrative of part two is that the older brother is out working in the field. He's doing what he, what he does best. He's being very obedient. And then he finds out that his reckless and irresponsible younger brother has come home. And that his father, instead of rejecting him and turning him away, has welcomed him back into the family and thrown this elaborate feast for him. And so he becomes angry. And he decides, I'll throw my own party. A good old-fashioned pity party. And so eventually the father has to leave the festivities and come out to him. And here the truth comes out. The son says this, look, which is not how you talk to your parents, by the way. Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this, but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He says, I've always done what you've asked for me. I have never been disobedient. But where's my reward? That son of yours who wasted your property, your wealth comes home, and you hold a feast for him. But look what you've given me for my obedience. Nothing. Not even a young goat. In other words, I'm the good son. I obey, and I expect to be rewarded for that. So where is that reward? And so though it looks different, though it's less obvious, the older brother is actually saying the same thing that his younger brother said. He says, I don't care about you. I care about what you can give me. I care about this stuff. Give me this stuff. This whole time, my obedience and my goodness has always been about putting you in a position where you had to reward me. And so what is Jesus saying? He's saying there's a kind of religious obedience where you can be a very good and moral person but still be very far from the heart of God. There's a kind of obedience where deep down you think, if I obey God, then he'll have to reward me. My obedience and my goodness can become a way for me to get what I want, for me to bargain with God and try to control him. You don't obey God because you love him, because it's your delight to please him. No, you obey to get things. And when he doesn't give you what you want, or even worse, when other people get the blessings you deserve, where does that lead but to anger and bitterness? The older brother, he stayed close to home. 
but he ended up outside of the feast. He was far from his father's heart and his father's joy. And so why this brother? Jesus is showing us that there's another way to be lost. Where on the outside, it looks like you're close to God through your obedience and your good works. But where you're actually alienated and far from God's heart. Younger brother, older brother lostness, excuse me. Two brothers, two ways of relating to their father, but they were both lost. And now, if you remember, when the Pharisees began to grumble, Jesus told three parables. And the first two have an element that this one doesn't have. In the first parable, a sheep wanders off. So the shepherd is the one who seeks after and saves the sheep. In the second parable, a woman loses a coin. And so she's the one who searches the house until she finds it. And if you were listening to this parable as Jesus wrapped up, you might ask, now Jesus, isn't this story missing something? Where is the one who seeks and saves what is lost? Who went looking for the younger son? And who is it that's going to go out and save the older son? But though the parable may seem incomplete when compared to the first two, the good news is that we have the whole picture. The parable of the prodigal son shows us that the two ways we try to relate to God both fail. It paints a picture of our lostness. But more than that, it invites us to embrace and look for a different way. To look for the one who will seek and save the lost. The good news this parable points us to, and the good news of the gospel, is that there's another way to relate to God. There's a way that doesn't lead to lostness. That way is to rest and trust in the great seeking and finding person and work of Jesus. It's not halfway in between. It's not the midpoint between self-discovery and religious obedience. No, it's another way entirely. The way to relate to your Heavenly Father is not to trust in your own person through self-discovery, your own freedom and independence. It's not to trust in your own work through your religious obedience and your very good goodness. The way to relate to your Heavenly Father is through faith in the person and the work of Jesus. And so whether our default way of relating to God looks like the younger brother or the older brother, would you and I hear these words of Jesus? which shows us that those are both dead ends. More than that, more than just diagnosing the problem, would we rest in being secure and found in him? Then and only then can we enter into the Father's feast and joy. Through Jesus, our story becomes one of homecoming and unconditional acceptance. And through Jesus, our Heavenly Father welcomes us, invites us, and embraces us into his family, and he brings us into his heavenly banquet. You know, the word prodigal, partly because of this parable, it has this definition where it seems to mean lost, or wayward, or wandering. But it actually means lavish, or extravagant, spending until there's nothing left. And so, of course, it's, it's a great term to describe the reckless younger brother. He spends and wastes all of his wealth. But it could also be used to describe the father who lavishly 
and extravagantly welcomes his son back into his love. He spins until there's nothing left. And in the same way, our Heavenly Father is over the top and lavish and extravagant in the way that he welcomes us back into his great feast. He is also, if you will, prodigal. And so there you go. There was a man who had two sons. This is a story that we like. It's a story that we're familiar with and comfortable with and we've heard all the time. It's a story that speaks a deep message of truth to us. Wherever we are, through these words, Jesus calls us to see our lostness. And more than that, he invites us to rest and trust in him. So wherever you are, maybe today you feel like the younger brother. You want little to do with God. He's the one holding you back, restricting you from finding true happiness and finding your true self. Maybe you identify with the older brother. Right now you're trying very hard to be very good. You trust that your obedience and your goodness can be the way of getting what you want from God. Or maybe more likely is that instead of being on one of these extremes, your younger brother-ish or your older brother-ish, your faith, trust, and identity are found in Christ. Yet you still find, you find yourself wandering back into self-centered rebellion or into cold and rigid obedience. Being a middle kid, I'm literally both a younger brother and an older brother. But my default way of relating to God is by trying hard to be very, very good. I'm older brother-ish. And so for you, whatever the case may be, younger brother, older brother, younger brother-ish, older brother-ish, or anywhere in between, would you day by day trust fully in the person and the work of Jesus? Not in your own person, not in your own works, only in Jesus. Trusting in him, would you enter into your heavenly father's grand, extravagant, lavish banquet of joy and love. Amen.
Thanks for engaging with worship through Moore Memorial United Methodist Church this week. We pray that you will know God's presence and love towards you, that you will know that God longs for you to be a full participant at His feast. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.